good morning and happy Sabbath. You know, it's funny. I remember the transition that occurred from 2020 to 2021. And so many of us were excited. We're like, yes, the new year, no more crazy COVID and all the restrictions of life. And, and now as we are better informed, we seem to enter into 2022 like gingerly stepping. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what's happening next. This morning, our topic is entitled, When Michael Stands Up. When Michael stands up. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Puerto Rico. Has anyone been to Puerto Rico before? All right, a few to represent and back there. It is an absolutely beautiful place. And we were running an evangelistic seminar there. Not just one, actually. I think we had six or seven that were running simultaneously with our AFCO graduates, our AFCO students. And they were working so hard, preaching at a seminar every night, doing children's programs, doing health talks, and, and they were exhausted. And we decided, well, let's take a day off. Let's go for an excursion. One of the elders at a local church said, hey, I have a boat. Why don't I take you all out to an island? And of course, that sounded amazing. But one thing we failed to note in the weeks following, we checked to see where this island was located on the map. And yes, indeed, it was just, I believe, west of an island by the name of Gilligan. <laughs> Never trust a three-hour tour. As the boat was small, we took multiple trips to get over to this small island, and there our group of 32 were going to enjoy a few hours basking in the sun. I was in the last boat ride that came over to the island, and, and I got off and was enjoying the beautiful clear waters and the warm sand and the sunshine, and, and I walked over to the other side of the island, which was quite small, and there I finally got into the water and I'm just soaking up the beauty of the moment. When I hear someone scream, you lift your head out from the water and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And as I hear them continue to yell, I'm not sure if they're yelling that the boat is leaving or the boat is sinking. Neither of those options sounded too great. <laughs> I quickly got out of the water and began to race over to the other side of the island, and sure enough, the latter was true. Our boat was sinking. The elder and, and two of our AFCO students were on the boat at the time, and there we watched from the shore as they are trying their best uh, to swim to shore, trying to get off the boat as it is literally sinking. Uh, and they did struggle for, for some time and ultimately were able to get help and, and were able to reach the, the island. So again, chaos ensues. And, and here you are, stranded on an island with 32 people. No way to get back. Your boat has literally sunk. And what is the first thing that you think of? Facebook. <laughs> 
all of my students got on and were snapping pictures and updating their status. I'm like, what are you thinking? So while they're thinking of Facebook, I'm thinking of my boss, <laughs> who I quickly try to reach. Oh, yes, everything's going great. Oh, we're having a wonderful time. By the way, just in case you see any updates on Facebook, everyone's fine, not a problem. So we're kind of stranded on an island. Yeah, all 32 of us. Yeah, uh, we, we've called the police. They're sending a boat. Yeah, most people know how to swim. Mo uh, yeah, I think, I think most, just like two or three that can't. Yeah, uh, sharks? Um, no, no sightings. <laughs> no, no sightings of, of sharks, right? And ultimately, the, the boat did arrive, and the winds, are, yeah, the winds had really struck up by this point, and the waves, of course, and so they didn't want, the police boat didn't want to come too close to the island. So they threw a rope over. Some of our team went out and swam out, grabbed the rope, and now we're holding it on the shore so that one by one, our team members can swim out to the boat holding this rope as they swim through the waves to, to reach the safety. <laughs> and there I was, and, and you know, it's interesting to watch as people react to a crisis. And there are some people that freeze, some people that run around like a headless chicken. You know, there's all these responses that occur. And so I promise people, just go, we'll get your supplies there, just go. And, and then, of course, I ended up with all the supplies. So I'm swimming, holding onto this rope with, like, hiking boots in one hand and someone's backpack with snorkel gear on my back. And, and we make it to shore and all, thankfully, do survive. The next day, there were multiple newspapers that somehow heard of our story, and there we were as the headline. Now, as you know, headlines are not always the most reflective of accurate details. And therefore, at least one newspaper surmised 32 illegal immigrants <laughs> capsized their boat trying to reach Puerto Rico. But regardless of what the articles say, thankfully, we did ultimately reach the shore. You know, sometimes our life feels a little bit like that boat tour. We might think it's a three-hour tour, and it turns into quite an unforgettable experience. Maybe in the last year, and maybe in the time to come, maybe there's been times where you feel like you're on that boat. Or maybe you're the one that can't swim and you're holding on the rope trying to get to that boat as the water piles over your head. We know what it feels like to be in that boat. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, God, Lord, today, as we continue to open your word, as we continue to explore it, as we continue to seek to understand it, God, we want to grow more and more like you. Father, we want to see your face, to understand your character, to live in your grace, Lord. Father, I pray again that only you may be lifted up and that you may be revealed. We thank you. We pray for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
One of my favorite passages in the Bible is found in Daniel chapter 12. Turn with me there, please. Daniel chapter 12. I love the, the book of Daniel and the depth of the stories that are told and their prophetic implications, as well as the prophecies and the repetitive pattern that we're going to explore today. Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. At that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Verse 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Though we will not spend much time today exploring this character of Michael, I just want to briefly note that the Bible shares that Michael is in fact Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to look at kind of some of the supporting evidence for that, you can look at Revelation chapter 12 or at Jude, there's only one chapter, so Jude verse 9, as it again shows that Michael, the archangel, is Jesus Christ, the great prince that is represented here. Now, this is not the first time that Daniel has an encounter with Michael. In fact, uh, as we read in Daniel chapter 9, there is this great prophetic scene that occurs. And as Daniel learns about this 70-week prophecy and about this Messiah that is to be ushered in, what is his response as recorded in Daniel 10? Was he overjoyed? Was he elated? No, what was his response? He's begging for mercy? Ah. He's terrified. He's dejected. There he is, the Bible says, in mourning. Does anyone remember for how long? Three weeks. Three full weeks in mourning, and he's fasting, and he's crying out to God. Now, a lot of Daniel's fear is his concern. Wait, God, are you saying that we're not going to be rescued for Babylon for the years to come? Lord, I, I thought that was right around the corner. Wait, is it longer than that? The 70-week prophecy? What's happening? And a messenger comes to Daniel, and this is found in Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 to 13, and then skipping on. In Daniel chapter 10, a messenger comes to explain the vision. Daniel 10 and verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. How would you like to have an angel from heaven come to you and say, oh, greatly beloved. Understand the words I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, 
and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. So this again is an instance of Michael coming to the rescue. Here is an angel who sees that Daniel, who is greatly beloved, is distraught. And he comes to encourage him and to rescue him. Now, this is a side note, but how quickly did the angel come? He, he heard that Daniel was praying. How soon was he sent? Immediately. He was sent immediately. It took three weeks to arrive because, again, the princes stood up against him and were trying to keep him from coming. And Michael had to come and intervene and say, no, 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 I have sent him to my servant. He goes. But the moment he prayed, God answered. The moment he cried, God sent. That promise remains for us today. The story continues in verses 18 to 21. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Verse 20, then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except for Michael, your prince. Here the angel, the messenger, is fighting against these powers of darkness, these powers of evil. And he says, no one helps me. No one comes to my defense except for whom? Except for Michael. Now, there's a very interesting identifier that is used. Michael is what? Michael is your prince. You have the prince of Persia, and he's evil, and he's trying to attack. You have the prince of Greece. You have all these satanic powers. But Michael? That prince, that one's yours. Michael, your prince, stands on your behalf. So why does Michael stand up? Is it simply because his high priestly ministry has come to a conclusion, and therefore he stands up like, job done, wash my hands, good to go? Is it simply because judgment has been closed? I believe there is a twofold aspect, twofold component to why Michael stands as recorded in Daniel chapter 12. The first portion that we're going to look at is revealed through the prophecies and the patterns in the book of Daniel. And then secondarily, we are going to consider what the text itself reveals about why Michael stands up. In Daniel chapter 2, an incredible dream is given first to the king Nebuchadnezzar and then repeated and given again 
to Daniel, who is then able to interpret this dream. And again, we're looking at patterns here, and you're going to see it as we look at Daniel 2, Daniel 7, and then Daniel 11. Daniel 2, he has a dream. There is this image that is constructed, a head of gold, chest of silver, uh, legs and thighs of brass. Oh, no, legs are of iron. What did I miss? The brass. Okay, the brass and then the iron. So it is head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass or bronze, and legs of iron, and then feet of iron and clay. These again represent kingdoms throughout history, specifically ones that were world-dominating powers that affected the children of God. What kingdoms were these? We have Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and divided Rome, which again is represented by the feet made of iron and clay. This prophecy concludes in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. Kingdom rise, kingdoms fall. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. They rise, they fall, they rise, they fall, they're divided. And then in verse 44, and in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand how long? Forever. Daniel chapter 7, a similar dream is given. And while it has the same interpretation, while it also represents kingdoms, what is used as the, the picture for these kingdoms? The beast. The first beast that we have representing Babylon is a lion. Again, has this incredible force. Next we have, uh, after Babylon, is Medo-Persia, and they are represented by what? A bear. It has the three ribs in its mouth for the kingdoms that it has destroyed. Babylon, Lydia, and... Egypt, and then it is raised up on one side, which there are some in, various interpretations for why it's raised up on one side, one of which being that the Persians then became stronger than the Medes, and they were a dominant force. Another is that sometimes when a bear is going to attack, it'll raise up its arm. And so this bear, again, is on the attack, representing Medo-Persia. And then what comes next? A leopard. A leopard represents the kingdom of Greece. That not only is it a leopard, but it also has wings. It comes in with ferocious. It comes in incredibly swift and takes over Europe. And lastly, what is pictured? This terrible beast. So even Daniel, you know, he's able to say, okay, it's a lion. Okay, it's a bear. Okay, it's a leopard. It's a, I don't know, but it's terrifying. <laughs> This is horrendous beast that is pictured, which again signifies Rome and the religious powers that come from it. Once again, kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. 
Nations grow, nations fall. They rise, they fall, they rise, they fall. But the culmination is found in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 14. Then to him, speaking of the Messiah, to Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one that shall not be destroyed. You see, once more, just as in Daniel 2, kingdoms rise, kingdom fall, kingdom rise, kingdom fall. But there is one that will not pass away. There is one that will not be destroyed. There is one that will last forever. In Daniel 11, the same picture is given. In Daniel chapter 11, where the king of the north and the king of the south come together and they, they're continually fighting back and forth as they seek to annihilate one another and the people of God. In Daniel 11, verses 2, 3, 4, 7, 16, 20, and 21, it continually speaks of the king of the north rising, and the king of the south rising, the king of the north rising, they're rising, they're rising, and they're standing up in opposition to, to the world and annihilating each other. Is there a culminating act in which the power and divinity of God is revealed? In Daniel chapter 11. There was in Daniel 2. There was in Daniel 7. Is there in Daniel 11? And yes, indeed, there is. Now remember, the chapter breaks are, are human-made to help guide us and help be able to make clear references. So probably more accurately, if we remove the chapter breaks here, Daniel 11 continues into Daniel chapter 12. Where is the culmination of these kingdoms rising and falling, rising and falling, rising and falling? The answer to the kingdom that will last forever is found in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. At that time, in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of this confusion, in the middle of this destruction, at that time, Michael shall stand up. That great prince who stands watch of the sons of your people. Though maybe not as forcibly demonstrated as Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, the same theme is revealed here again. There is an eternal kingdom. There is a God divine. There is a nation that will be set up that cannot be destroyed. Yes, all your great rulers, they rise and they fall. All your great human-made strategies, they rise and they fall. All of your best man-made attempts at uniting the world, it rises and it's going to fall. But Michael stands up. Are you thankful today that Michael stands up? Michael stands up as the final king who has received his dominion. Adam and Eve, you may have transferred that to the devil, but it's his no longer. It's mine. 
Jesus has earned the right. He has paid the price. The judgment is complete. Michael stands up as he enters into the fullness of that kingship. There is a second reason, which I believe is revealed in this verse, for why Michael stands up. Daniel 12 Verse 1, at that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who does what? He stands watch. Who is he watching over? The sons of your people. Michael stands up. Michael, the one who has been watching his beloved children. Before my husband and I were married, I, I warned him, so it's fair game, <laughs> I, I warned him about all of my quirks and idiosyncrasies, and, and I warned him that I am a terrible movie watcher. Like, I mean terrible, like horrible. Like, I cannot watch a movie like a normal person. For example, I mean, first off, it's hard enough to find a movie that fits the Philippians 4a criteria, but if you manage to find one, I'm dreadful. Uh, I remember as a child watching 101 Dalmatians, and I, I think I'm still slightly traumatized. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, you're sitting there on the couch, and you're seeing this wicked Corella DeVille, and she's going to kill the puppies. And, and there's no way I could sit there on the couch and eat popcorn. Like, I was the one behind the couch with a blanket over my head. Like, this is terrifying, right? Yeah, okay. Now you all think I'm crazy. This was not helpful. <laughs> I can't watch a movie because I feel the pain of the actors. I, I feel their terror. I feel whatever their emotion is. I'm like wanting to fix it and to help them and to solve it. And like, I can't stay removed. You don't want to watch a movie with me. But I think that might be one of the reasons why this passage has resonated with me so much. Because you see, Jesus, too, cannot remain removed. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, he sees his people being persecuted. He sees the annihilation. He sees these kingdoms that are trying to destroy. And at some point, the time comes when Michael will and Michael must stand up. He can't stay seated on his easy chair, you know, laying back, like watching a movie. No, these are his people. And if they're hurting, if they're suffering, if they're in pain, he's up. He's there. Michael stands up. You can't keep him seated. And you see this told in the story of Saul as he again is on the road to Damascus and he's going to persecute the people of God. And suddenly he's knocked off his high horse. He hits the ground. There's a light from heaven and a voice saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And of course, we naturally say, well, he wasn't persecuting Jesus. Jesus was in heaven. You know, he'd already died. That had happened. It's done. But in fact, he was persecuting Jesus because he was hurting his children. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you hurting me? Why are you inflicting this pain on me? Because when you hurt my children, you kill me. 
When they're hurting, I feel it. When they're scared, I feel it. When that anxiety is building, I, I, I'm there. I can't remain removed. In Exodus chapter 14 and verses 13 to 14, a similar theme is revealed. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. As again, the children in Israel are, are terrified that they may soon be killed. Moses, why have you brought us out into this wilderness to die? In verse 13, Moses responds, do not be afraid. Stand still. I think sometimes in our life, that is, that's the most important reminder for us. It's so easy for us, especially those of us that are fixers. Like, let me just get in and fix the issue. Let me try and solve it. Let me come up with a solution. And sometimes God just has to remind us, stand still. Just stand in your place. That's my job. Stand still. And see, watch, open those eyes. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you will see again no more forever. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. It's the Lord's battle, not ours. Hold your peace. You see, Michael stands up against oppression. Michael stands up against injustice. Michael stands up against persecution. Michael stands up for his children in the face of death and agony. He stands up for the vulnerable. He stands up when his character is misrepresented. Michael stands up. Today, not only am I thankful that Michael stands up, but my prayer is that I may stand up where Michael does. That we too may stand up against oppression of the vulnerable. That we too may stand up for what is just. That we too may stand as Michael has and will. Have you ever felt like no one was standing for you? Maybe as the stress of the past year or two years has built Maybe fears with your job. Maybe your actions have been uh, analyzed, misconstrued. I don't know everyone's story. You don't fully know anyone's. And yet God truly does. Regardless of what you're going through today, know that there will be a time when all the struggles of the world come to an end. Sometimes we get so caught up in the day, day in, day out. We get so caught up in what we see and we think that that's reality. Who remembers the headline news from Babylon thousands of years ago? Who remembers the crisis that they experienced in those moments? Nobody does. It doesn't matter anymore. 
And the reality is, is that we're all going to face crises in global situations, and nations are going to rise and they're going to fall. Policies are going to rise and they're going to fall. Crises are going to happen and they're going to leave. Where are our feet placed today? Are they standing with the one who will stand? Are they firm on the foundation that will not fail, on the kingdom that will not fall, on the nation that will not be destroyed? The battle is not over, but the victory will be won. My prayer is, and of course we know, that Michael will stand, but ultimately he will not stand alone. In Psalm chapter 24, we see a picture of those who will stand with him. Psalm chapter 24, verses 3 to five. Psalm 24, three to five, the psalmist David pens these words. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Who will stand with Michael in the holy place of God, in the the heavenly kingdom? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. My prayer is today that that may be what we seek. Not through our own efforts, but through our own surrender. Through our own continual seeking after God to create in us what we cannot create in ourselves. To never lose the focus of our mission and of our message to not allow the concerns of the world beyond, of the powers of the nations rising and falling to be an overwhelming concern of ours. Nations will rise, policies will rise, and they will fall. Where are our feet planted today? I was talking with a friend recently about how when I get together with, with friends or with family on, on Sabbath, sometimes it's difficult to not talk about health mandates, about, you know, all, all the political concerns or questions. Or Sometimes it's hard not to have these discussions. And I can't help but step back and think, you know, if I can't even go 24 hours on the Sabbath without being overwhelmed by these conversations, Where's my heart and where's my focus? The Sabbath, especially of all times, should be a time where we set it aside and we say, Lord, I desire to dwell in that holy place. 
I want to train my mind and my heart to love talking about you. To have that be the theme of my conversation. I don't want to be in heaven for eternity going, there's no COVID crisis. What do I talk about? (laughs) This is boring. Where's some drama, you know? Where's our focus? (laughs) Things will come. Things will go. But Michael will stand. One of my favorite books is probably a favorite of yours, I would imagine, as well. One named, or one called A Thousand Shall Fall. Who's read this book before? Okay, like a third of you at least. (laughs) Franz Hosel, if you have not read it before, I would incredibly encourage it. It's just an inspiring story of a Christian family, an Adventist family, who lived in Germany during World War II. And they were seeking and they were faithful to God regardless of the consequences, and again, about how God preserved them during that trial. But what I'm going to focus on specifically is on Franz Hosel, who was the father in that family, and he was forced to join Hitler's army. And if you can imagine, again, being a Christian, being an Adventist, and you are forced to go to war clearly against his convictions. And there he is with no gun because he had disposed of it, in the middle of Hitler's army, and he began to tell others, because he was a faithful Bible student and a pastor and a call porter, he began to tell others that Hitler's reign would not last forever. As you can imagine, this could have gotten him shot. Any any army would have done that. Why are you discouraging the troops? You're gone. And yet he was faithful to the word of God. Rumors began to spread through the camp, And soon one of the commanders called him to his office and said, tell me about these prophecies you're talking about. And Franz Hazel opened up the Bible to Daniel chapter 2, and he began to go through these prophecies, showing again that nations come, nations fall, nations come, nations fall. There will be a nation, Europe, that will seek to unite in that iron and clay. But it will not. And that only the kingdom of God will last forever. Now this, of course, sounds, you know, nice when we're sitting in church. But imagine saying that to your commander who has every right to shoot and kill you for these words. And yet he faithfully shared the gospel truth. And this, again, being at a time where people across Europe, including Christians, including some Adventists, were saying, you know what, there's no way you can stop Hitler. He's going to take over Europe. He's going to take over the world. They looked around them at the current events, and they said, there's no way the Bible's true. They grew discouraged, and they lost their focus. But Franz Hosel, this man of God, says, you know what, whatever's happening out here, that's not relevant to me. What's relevant is the word of God. And God says, this will not work. I don't care how strong Hitler is. I don't care how many planes, you know, he's taken down. I don't care about the bombings in France. I don't care. I see the word of God. And this kingdom will not last forever. Today, my encouragement for each one of us is that there is a place where we can firmly rest our feet. 
There is a kingdom. There is a nation that will not pass away. Michael will stand up. The suffering of the world will come to an end. It will not last forever. God sees his faithful people. That's who Michael is. He is the one who is watching his children. He is the one that is interceding in their behalf. Today, do you need a Michael to stand up for you? Do you need God to intercede on your behalf? That's his role. That's who he is. And that's who he promises to be today and always. Michael is your prince. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father God, Lord, I want to thank you so much that as you have revealed throughout the book of Daniel, as you revealed through Daniel chapter 12, your kingdom is the one that will last forever. Father, please forgive us for where we've caused contention, for where we've allowed current events to tear us apart or distract us. God, we desire instead to be a people whose hands are clean before you, whose hearts are pure, because you have made them that way. May we seek your face daily. May we grow in your grace. And may we today have courage. May we remember this year to stand still and to watch you fight the battles, Lord. Watch you step in as our advocate and rely on you as our God and our King as we seek to live in the heavenly home that you have prepared for us. God, may we place our faith in you and in the future that is before us through your grace. We thank you and we pray this blessing over each one gathered here. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. May God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.